Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, current events, local, world news, and trending. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Thank you for joining me. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody, you know, had an enjoyable Easter. I hope that everybody was following the rules out there and that nobody was having big family gatherings for Easter dinner because that would just be a bad idea and a really stupid one. With the COVID-19 still raging around the world, and infections increasing in other countries, including here in Canada. Now, I had my show this morning and, you know, I was talking about uh, cases and how they're increasing here in Canada and that we're pulling back on um, basically doing an emergency break on uh, so that we can get these cases down. And I also mentioned that, you know, this is a far more serious virus than what the flu is. Hey, thank you for joining the show. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me. Now, this morning when I was talking about you know, how serious this virus is, COVID-19. More serious than the flu. I had a listener on here, you know, basically saying it's not. You know, and I really take offense to that. You know, because so many people around the world And the hardest hit country in the world is the United States. With 560,000 Americans who have died in this past year due to COVID-19. Now, he, he tried to put it in such a way, oh, back in 2017 and 2018, the United States during the influenza outbreak during the flu season had 61,000 people die of influenza. That is true. Now, when you break that down month by month for the flu season on an average of six months, that accounted for 10,166 deaths per month for the flu season which is quite high 
It was really unfortunate. In this past year, the United States, like I said, 560,000 people have died from COVID-19. Now, if you break that down by the month, that's 46,666 Americans died every single month compared to the 10,166. That's a difference of 36,500. You can't compare the influenza and COVID-19. That's like saying apples and oranges are the same when in fact they're not. The influenza, which is a seasonal illness that we get every single year, this is not. This is a virus that is far more contagious than what the flu is. Now they say the flu on average is like 0.01%. in infection rates, this is over 4%. This is far more serious. This is why it's so important, ladies and gentlemen, to do your homework. If you want to come on my show and you want to try to tell me that apples and oranges are the same, or you want to tell me that the influenza in the COVID-19 are the same, you really need to give your head a shake. You need to stop listening to conspiracy theories. You need to stop reading the BS. The people that you need to be listening to is the infectious and disease doctors. See, they went to school for that. See, conspiracy theorists never went to school for that. Some politicians out there think the same way as uh, conspiracy theorists. See, they never went to school to be a doctor. Okay, they're just politicians. That's what they do. This is what doctors do who study diseases and infections. So they know what they're talking about. So when I go back in and I find out, okay, yeah, you know what? It is true back in, in 2017 and 2018 that, you know, it was one of the worst outbreaks of the influenza in the United States. But to try to tell me that it's the same as COVID-19, you're sadly mistaken. And with the new variants on the rise, Canada is entering a third wave. The United States is entering a fourth wave. And with, you know, the way things are happening over the United States, every, you know, states are relaxing things and everything else like that and cases are on the rise. Yes, you're getting immunized. Yes, eventually that's all going to kick in and yes, eventually that's all going to help but there's still a lot of work ahead of us in order to beat this pandemic. Now here in Canada, um, with our unprecedented decision for a four month vaccine interval, 
then where Pfizer and Moderna is saying that it should be 21 to 30 days, you know, for the booster, if you've had your first shot of, of either one of those vaccines. Now, seniors across the country are rightly enraged that they were promised a 21-day interval between vaccine doses only to have that appointment pushed into July due to, to new recommendations by the National Advisory Committee on Immunizations, prescribing a fourth-month interval between doses. Seniors, after all, were the most vulnerable to COVID-19. So, I mean, it's really imperative that, you know, you know, we take care of our seniors. Throwing thousands of Canadian seniors into three extra months of vaccine limbo was never going to be popular. And it's not popular here in Canada. Now, particularly when Canada is the only jurisdiction on earth to use a four month interval between doses. No other country, ladies and gentlemen, are doing this. The controversy is not going to abate anytime soon. So the best arguments as to why Canada this decision to stretch its booster shot gap could end up saving lives in a pandemic that has been def has defined has been defined by near constant government missteps. This may be one of those few times where Canada has prioritized science over political expediency. Death rates across Canada are plummeting. Canada has a lower rate of deaths from COVID-19 than Israel, in the United States, obviously. If you live in a country with near-blanket vaccinations coverage, you are more likely to die of COVID-19 than in a country with a lower vaccination rate than Poland. After spiking in January, Canadian deaths from COVID-19 have been in a free fall for two months. And at the same time, our case rate is through the roof with skyrocketing case numbers in British Columbia, Ontario, and elsewhere. These rising case numbers are being attributed to, to more contagious, contagious and more fatal variants of concern. And that's the United Kingdom variant as well. That's been all across this country and the other, other variants that, that are, are, stretching out around the world, which are now affecting younger populace more severely, these new variants. But they do not seem to be translating into fatalities at a rate they once did earlier in the pandemic. Whatever criticism can be 
uh, leveled against Canada's vaccination strategy, it seems to be yielding results in the one metric that matters the most. Getting just one dose of the Pfizer vaccine doesn't provide the 95% risk reduction of the completed two-dose regime. Of course it doesn't. But the first shot is turning out to be surprisingly potent. Even among patients that are 70 years or older, the United Kingdom data is showing that just the first shot can lead to an 85% decrease in deaths. The 21-day gap between doses was always somewhat arbitrary. There is no spreadsheet of Pfizer at Pfizer headquarters saying that a 21 days is the optimum experiment tested gap to maximize the effectiveness of the vaccine. In fact, it's a number largely pulled out of thin air. Now that sounds crazy, right? But it's arbitrary. If you look at the literature that documents say why that's the best time point, there isn't any. In fact, the typical rule of thumb is that the booster shots have the best potency when administered at least two months after the initial dose. Vaccinations for HPV, um, hepatitis A, and hepatitis B, among others, all have their boosters at five months or more. Booster shots for the avian flu, meanwhile, have been found to be more effective at six months than if given only 28 days after the first shot. So the main reason Pfizer went with a three-week interval was because it was the shortest reasonable timeline for a two-dose vaccine. You're just picking up a dosing interval so all this is to say that while Pfizer has been careful to recommend a 21-day interval between doses, it's a number that has about as much science behind it in the expiry date on a jar of mustard. It's why in both the United Kingdom and the United States, vaccine advisory panels have had few qualms about extending the intervals. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. We're just talking about here the, the unprecedented decision um, for a four-month um, vaccine interval here in Canada, the only country on this planet that is doing that. If you want the pandemic squashed, you want quantity over thoroughness. The optimum way out of this pandemic for Canada, of course, would be to do like the Americans or the Brits and secure a bottomless supply of vaccines, but we didn't. Canada is 41st place in the global race for vaccination coverage. We should be much better than that here in Canada. We have no excuse in this country of why we don't make our own vaccines. Over decades and decades after 
prime ministers after prime ministers thought, no, we're good. We just rely on other countries because you know what? What else? What else could happen in this world? We have a flu that comes once a year. So we have the flu shots. We get the flu shots from other countries. No big deal. Well, here we are in a pandemic that no one saw it coming. And here we are in Canada being 41st and getting the vaccinations out into the arms of Canadians, the 41st place. That's alarming. And right now, every Canadian receiving their second shot represents a Canadian who couldn't get their first shot. And with most provinces still vaccinating their high-risk populations, at this stage, the second Canadian is still likely to be an 80-year-old with mobility issues or a 65-year-old with diabetes. Policymakers were thus at an impasse. How to squash this pandemic as quickly as possible with only a few limited uh, supplies of vaccines. And with a shot whose, uh, whose effects are far more dramatic as the first dose than a booster, the raw calculus was easy. As the particularly dramatic, dra- dra- sorry, dramatic words you know, of the commentary in in the New England Journal of Medicine put it, given the current vaccine shortage, postponement of the second dose is a matter of national security that if ignored will certainly result in thousands of COVID-19 related hospitalizations and deaths that would have a, what could have been prevented with the first dose of the vaccine. So this is the general idea Canada took upon themselves to give everybody the first shot of the Pfizer or the Moderna and then wait four months for your booster and get as many needles in the arms as possible and giving you a percentage rate of 85%. I hope this works. That's what I hope for. That's what we want. But of course, if we get another shortage in the vaccines coming to Canada for whatever reasons, we're in a lot of trouble here because now we'll be on pause. And the virus isn't going to be on pause. The virus is going to continue to spread. So we're really taking a risk here. We're, we're, we're throwing the dice and we're hoping for the best. It's almost like playing Russian roulette.
So dual citizenship, what, what is what is your dual citizenship? You had the you had the Madura shot, so you so you've had your your second shot. Now see here, um, I'm a an essential caregiver um, to my parents. So um, while they're getting their their very first vaccination, which by the way they've been fully vaccinated, they've had their booster. Um, I got my first shot. I was set up to have my second shot, which would have been yesterday. So that would have been the 21 days. But with this decision for the four month vaccine intervals, I've been pushed back to June the 19th for my booster shot of Pfizer. Oh, okay. So, um, so you're here in Canada and, and you're working at the, you work at the, uh, uh, an, uh, an automotive supplier in Detroit. So you're allowed to cross over cause you're an essential worker that, yeah. Okay, great. So that's why you're able to cross over because you're an essential worker. Have you had any problems, um, crossing back and forth between Canada and the United States being an essential worker. Because there has been some problems with essential workers crossing back and forth between the United States. And I hope they, uh, they had that. Yeah, here in Canada, we're definitely going to be more stringent when you're coming back, you know, after your day's work, you know, yeah, we are going to be more stringent, too. But with, um, you know, what's going on in in the uh, United States, you know, I don't know how many, how many uh, states have, you know, loosened their restrictions, you know, given their, their, uh, um, the American people more freedom. And stuff like that we're here in canada you know here across ontario we have now moved back into that emergency break yeah some are still locked down and that's smart i know it's difficult but that is the smart thing that some of the states are locked down and really the other states need to start following you know like i said here in canada we pulled the emergency break. We're not in total lockdown right now, but things could still change. Well, you know, we did back last spring, obviously it was for like three and a half months we locked down and then, you know, we uh, were still cautious over the summertime. And then of course the fall and winter came. No, you know, the, the United States did not. But we did have our lockdown after Christmas. And you know, yourself being your family who lives in uh, Toronto, you know, they're in the gray lockdown. They've been in the gray lockdown since November 2020. 
And then with all the cases on the rise, you know, Premier Doug Ford is, is, is pulling the emergency break. But as you know, the restaurants, unfortunately, um, you know, here we go again with them being closed. So no indoor dining, no patios. Non-essential businesses can still operate to a limited capacity. Same with the big box stores. We'll see if this works. I'm trying to be optimistic about it. You know, Doug Ford could have easily just threw us all back into a lockdown again. But he didn't. And of course, the, the restaurant sector is really upset. You know, the movie theaters are closed once again. Hair salon places are closed once again. So we'll have to see. But, you know, with this, with this intervals of the four months, yeah, in the gyms too, they're also closed as well. You know, we can't forget, we can't uh, forget our gyms, you know, but they should have been allowed to do, you know, outdoor exercises, a limited people per day, you know, but that's not going to be allowed to happen neither. So this is going to go on for 30 days. Now, I just read an article before I came up here too. There's a, a, a bar in uh, Toronto, um, he sent Doug Ford an invoice for $440. And that was for the kegs of beer that he had bought and opened. And now he can't use them. You know, it's not like your cans of beers and your bottles of beers Well, you can you know, keep them in a cool, dry place. Whereas once the keg is open, the keg has to be used. So he sent Doug Ford a bill for $440. Kind of chuckled about it. You know, I, I get the man's point for sure. You know, um, you allow Toronto to open their patios under the gray lockdown you know, for, you know, the last couple of weeks and then slam the emergency break on and then close all indoor dining and patios. It's really tough. It really is. And I was reading another article about um, a, uh, a populous um, restaurant in Toronto will be closing their doors. Now here across Canada in the last year, over 10,000 businesses have closed their doors due to this pandemic. And that is really unfortunate. Their livelihoods, the people that work for them, you know, all out of a job. And here we go again, you know, with the, with the restaurant sector and gyms and theaters and, and everything else. You know, once again, they're out of a job. You know, we're just going up and down like a yo-yo. The case counts get so high that then they have to pull the brakes. You know, but um, like this, this article here, you know, Canada 
you know, the only country on this planet doing the four month vaccine intervals in hopes that we get enough needles in the arms in hopes that there isn't another shortage of vaccines that'll just throw the wrench into the wheels, which would not be good. Teachers and our essential workers, as I talked about a little bit this morning, they need to get vaccinated. And you know, here in Canada, our essential workers, whether you work in a grocery store or you work at a gas station or you work in uh, a warehouse, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, the low wage earners, you know, minimum wage of $14 an hour, you know, have to make choices, you know, whether to go to work if they're not feeling well. No sick pay. You know, then if they do get sick, I mean, they have to rely on the federal government in order to get money from them. And I talked about should employers or should the uh, Ontario government pay sick leave? I don't think Doug Ford, the premier of Ontario, is going to do that. He's just going to rely on the federal government to be doing that. And I think we're, you know, a long ways behind, you know, when it comes to um, paid sick days in this province. I really think we are. And I really think it's time that the province steps, steps up and, and starts taking a good hard look at this. And I'm not talking about just, you know, families, you know, who are loads wage earners. What about the single parents out there? They're concerned for their safety too, about going to work. And what kind of policies and procedures have these com companies, businesses put into place in order to protect their employees? Now, Amazon in Brampton, Ontario, so far they have, they have had over 900 cases of COVID-19 in that facility. We've had an outbreak in Mississauga at the mail assorting plant. And then this outbreak, community outbreak here in the city of London where the university has a serious outbreak. There's something like 132 students that come down with COVID-19 because of their foolishness, off-campus partying, people who live in residence on campus not following the rules, going to everybody's dorm, doing whatever. And now the university is just going to go to online exams and anybody who lives on campus has to move out and go home. They count for, you know, almost 50% of all the cases here 
in London, Middlesex. Youth from 19 to the age of 22. 50% of the cases that's happened in this community. That doesn't make me very happy. I don't know how hard it is to just behave yourself. I can't get it. I can't understand how hard it is for some people to follow the flipping rules. I could sit here and hold my breath until I'm blue in the face and I still wouldn't get it through their heads. I could stand up from my microphone here and bang my head on the wall and I still wouldn't get through to them. When it mounts to 50% of the cases and the outbreaks in this community is by young people, that is really disturbing. Now, you know, they've always, you know, they've always mentioned from time to time about the Canadian and the United States borders and parts of Congress and, and of course, the officials here on the Canadian side, you know, they're talking about, oh, we come up with some ways possibly to relax some border restrictions, you know, for compassionate reasons. Not for tourism, not to come over here shopping, whining and dining and sightseeing. My American friends, that is not gonna happen for a long time. As long as this virus is running out of control in the United States, and hey, don't get me wrong, it's running out of control here in Canada because we just went over a million people infected with COVID-19 on this weekend. No, there is no, there is no comparison between Canada and the United States because the United States have over 30 million people who are infected. 560,000 and climbing who have died. Canada is somewhere 24,000 people who have died from COVID-19. Yes, we've had a lot of uh, tough decisions to make here on lockdowns. And the hardships that, it, that it's causing schools there's another school here in the city of London that is going, well, is, is closed because they had an outbreak and they're going to have a shortage of staff because they have to go home and isolate for 14 days. Here in the city of London, another school that has to close and they're not going to be opening up until after the April break, which is actually the March break, but they didn't get that in March. And yet they want to keep the children in school. They feel that they should be the first ones to go back and the last ones to be locked down. And yet our teachers are not being vaccinated yet. Our essential workers are not being vaccinated yet. And we would like for people to be able to go to work without fear without fear 
that they could come down with COVID-19. Because that's where the outbreaks are. Also in workplaces. And of course, in large gatherings and parties. And just not following the rules. That's why it's been so important every single day when you're when you're watching your news or, or or you're watching something advertisement about social distancing. They say practice social distancing. Well, we've been doing that for a year now. And if for some of you out there that can't grasp that concept about social distancing, you have a problem. There's no more practice here. We've had our practice. Okay. The show must go on now. So we all understand social distancing. Two meters is six feet. Wear a mask. Now, since the rules, you know, at first, you know, there wasn't really any rules about wearing a mask, but when the rules came in, you know, about wearing a mask, a mask for indoor places, such as your grocery store and your drug store and going in to pay for your gas and, and so on, so forth at work. Some people still don't know how to wear a mask. They have it on just below their nose or they have it just under their chin or they have it hanging off their ear. That's not how you wear a mask, people. It really isn't. That mask has to cover your nose, mouth and chin at the same time. It's not one or the other. And then I see people driving around, you know, just one individual driving, driving the car and they got their mask so much pulled up over their face. They can't even see the roadway. You know, the instructions are really simple. Really, really simple. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. So the instructions on how to wear a mask is really simple. It must cover your nose, your mouth, and your chin all at the same time. And then it comes to sanitizing your hands. We're asked to do that. When you walk into the grocery store, sanitize your hands. When you're done shopping, you're leaving, sanitize your hands. You should even give your car a wipe down. Then we're asked not to gather in large groups. We're asked not to hold big parties. But for some, they just, it doesn't seem to register. For some reason, it goes in one ear and out the other as though they have a tunnel running between their shoulders. 
where the wind just blows right through. You'll blow a candle out on, out on the other side of your head because the message somehow doesn't stay inside where it belongs. I don't know how hard that is, ladies and gentlemen. Is it really that difficult? Is it, has it become that difficult now? No, I get it. I mean, we're social creatures. I understand that. And yeah, it's hard to stay away from one another. You know, it's difficult because we're social creatures. That's, that's part of our survival. But gathering in large groups and not wearing a mask and holding big parties can be disastrous. And yes, there's been outbreaks from those gatherings. I remember watching a segment on the news and this gentleman was talking about that, you know, he was one of those people out there that didn't believe that this to be real, that this was all made up. So he still had large gatherings in his family. And unfortunate, ladies and gentlemen, three members of his family died from COVID-19 from that gathering. Is that something that he's never going to forget and is going to have a hard time overcoming? And that's what it took for him to believe that this is real. That this isn't some made up BS from the government. That this is, this is a, a conspiracy theory. And that needs to stop. It really does. When I see people holding large rallies, I mean, you know, people have, you know, we can go out and protest. There's no, there's no law saying that we can't, right? But now is not the time. It really isn't for these anti-maskers and these anti-protesters. It's not getting you anywhere. Nothing's going to change. The government is going to say, oh my God, okay, you know, these anti-maskers and these anti-protesters against this stuff, okay, all right, we'll just open everything up for you. It's okay now. Be free, run wild. No, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. And then how stupid you really look. You're not doing yourselves any favors. You're not doing me any favors. You're just part of the problem and not part of the solution. Until we all get together. And I'm just talking about my fellow Canadians and our friends to the South, the United States, all countries around the world. It's going to take all of us to get out of this pandemic. And it's going to take all of us to do the right things. And it's going to take all of us to take this serious. These new variants that are spreading all across the world, 
We're seeing it right here in London, Ontario. We're seeing it in, in you know, across Ontario. We're seeing it, we're seeing it right across this great country of ours. And it's spreading fast. Friday just passed, Good Friday. And Saturday, yesterday, Ontario recorded 6,000 cases of COVID-19 in just two days. And this is only the start of the emergency break poll that the Ontario government is doing. And now we're going to wait a couple of weeks to see if anything comes out of this Easter weekend. We're going to find out probably within the next few days of anybody who has been fined for having a large family gathering. And hopefully no one gets sick because of that type of behavior. We had out west, you might, this went viral. And, and, and the people that did this, young people, posted it on, on all the media sources you could ever imagine. Out west in the ski valleys of British Columbia, held a big party at one of the resorts. And they were dancing, loud music. They were hugging, they were kissing, they were licking one another. And any staff member that was pointed out in that video who worked for that company was fired. And now they're all been asked who was all at that party to take the responsibility, then take it upon yourself and self-isolate for 14 days and watch for symptoms. And if you start getting symptoms of COVID-19, go get tested to make sure, and then you're gonna have to seek medical assistance. Hopefully you don't end up in the hospital. Hopefully you don't end up in the ICU. Hopefully you don't end up six feet under. I like when people come on my show, I really do. And then when people come on my show and they, like I said, beginning my show, they start telling me that this is no different than the flu. Now I will say this again. You can't compare apples and oranges and say that they're the same because they're not. Influenza and COVID-19, also known as SARS-CoV-2, are two different viruses. One to be proven more deadlier than the other. And that's COVID-19. Get the facts, ladies and gentlemen. And those facts come from doctors who are infectious and disease specialists. 
That's what they do. So I thank you for joining me this Sunday evening. I hope everybody out there, I hope you had a, a good Easter. I know it's been tough. I know it really has been tough on all of us. We can't have, you know, family together, um, you know, to celebrate this, this holiday that so many people around the world do. But there is going to be a day to do that. Just like birthdays and anniversaries and Christmas, Thanksgiving. There will be those days that we'll be able to have our families together. And we would like to have all our families together. So we want to keep each other safe. So what is tomorrow? Oh, look at that. It's already Monday tomorrow. So, um, since I don't work on Mondays, and if you can, join me tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for the Truckers Podcast Coffee With You morning show. You're warm. welcome to join me. If not, um, you can listen to my show later and you can find the Truckers Podcast wherever you find your podcast. Google search it. You know my logo, you know what I look like. You can find me on all those social medias out there. Well, Facebook and YouTube, no, you won't find me out there. But other ones, Listen Notes, Player FM, you know, um, iHeartRadio, all these other media sources, you can find my podcast. So thank you again for joining me. I appreciate you taking your time out of your day to join me here on the Truckers Podcast. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Be safe out there, and good night.